Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality, and I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. It's our second casting guru on the podcast. Jackie Pittman is widely known throughout Hollywood as the casting director with an executive producer's eye. Jackie started her casting career in the late 80s for the hit dating show Love Connection, quickly moved up the ladder, became a casting director, detoured into producing for about a decade, helping develop Extreme Makeover for ABC, created the hit show Next for MTV. You'll find out the inspiration behind that. Very good story. Jackie's run her own casting and production company since 2009 and has cast basically every single show you've ever heard of. Her resume is long, so you'll have to just listen to her talk about it. She's got an incredibly inspiring story, and she's really an impressive woman. Hi, Jackie. Hi. So nice to meet you. Nice to be here. I'm so happy to have you. I've heard so many wonderful things about you. You're a bit of a legend. Oh, my God. How old am I? <laughs> well, a legend doesn't have to be old. It just has to be meaningful. All right. Yeah. No, you have done so much. When you sent me your credits, I almost fell over. I, you know, I remember in college, they're like, okay, keep it to one page. I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do that. So yeah, it's you like can't nine. keep the last six months to one page. I've cut off at least 10 years. <laughs> right, right, I noticed that. <laughs> I can't believe, how do you even have time to sleep? That's you know. a good question, and I don't do much of it. You, you acted like I was crazy when I said the word sleep. Sleep, right. exactly. Yeah, I don't do much of it. Do you but I think it? a lot of people have that problem. Do you just love it? What I do? Yeah. Absolutely. I, I don't know how to do anything else. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I do. It's, 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 I think it's at my core now. I love that. So just to sort of tell our audience, um, and then we'll sort of go back in time, but you have a very successful casting company. You also have a successful production company. But they seem like they're two different entities. But they're, are they really two different entities? They're the same. They're exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I started my casting company eight years ago. But prior to, I was a development exec for 17 years. So when I started the company, I realized, okay, reality TV casting is the backbone to reality television. So why not try to marry the two? So I always look at myself as saying I'm a casting director with a producer eye. Yeah. Well, clearly. So what made you go? Well, OK, so let's start. You started in casting. Yeah. You actually casted for Extreme Makeover, like the real like before the houses, there were the people. I actually actually I didn't I didn't really cast for that so much. Oh. I I developed it and oh, wow. I was a co-executive producer of it. Really? So, yeah. OK. With Howard Schultz, the late Howard yeah, Schultz. I've heard great things about him. Amazing man. He was my mentor. Wow. Taught me everything I know about television. Wow. Yeah. So was that your concept? It was his concept. He created it, and he came into my office with this idea, and he said, what do you think if we did a makeover show with plastic surgery? And I said, well, and I won't tell you exactly what I said. <laughs> I said, well, that's a really idea. <laughs> I said, who would buy it? And then I said, maybe Fox? <laughs> And then right. he, said, he said, go tell me what that looks like. And so my job was then to develop it, you know, come up with what a makeover looks like and then what plastic sur surgery on top of that would look like. So It's funny. Now that seems so innocuous, right? Because there's been so many shows since then. Mm -hmm. But at the time in 2004, mm -hmm. that was pretty groundbreaking. I remember that came out. People were like, oh, my God, what are they doing? It was definitely 
groundbreaking. And for me, it was transformational career-wise. I had done a myriad of shows, um, a lot of relationship shows, reality relationship shows, dating shows, you know, fun kind of stuff like that. And um, that was a show that really transformed people's lives forever. And, you know, dating can do that too if they get married, but um, it was something I had never experienced. So I found myself many days crying in the edit bays at these stories because they were going on a journey that we had never even taken and um, to go on it with them and see how it changed their lives. When they cried, we cried, you know, so yeah, it was, it was beautiful. It was really, really transformational career wise too for me. Well, I always say, you know, and this always sounds super cheesy, but really the home run in this business is if you can do something that's fun and entertaining, but actually does have that power to change lives or to get across some important message. So I can't understand that. It's uh, it, yeah, it was life altering. And I still hear from those people today. I was going to ask you, do they ever do a follow up show like 10 years later, that type of thing? I don't think they've actually done a follow up show. Um, they've done updates months later uh, or maybe a year later, but they haven't really done a follow up show. They should. I ABC, they should. Yeah. Now. Right. Now it'd be like, I guess, 13 years later. Yeah. Like just to see, you know, like what's still like, and you know what Oprah used to do that. Mm-hmm. Like 20 years later, where are they now? I think it'd be cool. So you did that. You had an incredible run at uh, Lighthearted with Howard. And then what made you leave to go back to, or yeah, I guess go back to casting. I didn't actually go back to casting (laughs) um, initially. It's been a windy road. Yeah, a little bit. I left to be a freelance producer. I had been with Howard um, 17 years at Lighthearted, maybe You know, I had known him even just a little bit longer than that uh, when we started Studs at Fox. He was the executive producer and I was head of casting. And um, I just felt like I was living someone else's dream. I felt that I needed to know what I was capable of doing myself. Um, It was sort of like a kid leaving home for the first time, yeah. leaving their dad, you know, going Aww. off to college. And that's how I felt. I mean, Howard was a very strong male figure in my life. He represented, you know, father, uh, uh, an annoying brother, <laughs> a best friend, you know. So it was it was a very tough decision to leave. Was he supportive of it? No. <laughs> Not at all. Okay. Um, and I had also just met someone. And um, I was, we were talking marriage and stuff. So uh, it, you know, I was I was transitioning in my life. Yeah. It was, I like a, it was like a breakup almost. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was definitely a breakup. <laughs> we got back together, but it was a breakup. Yeah. Um, and... You know, when I left, I was a freelance producer until the economy crashed and then couldn't get arrested by anyone. And everyone I knew was unemployed and I was unemployed. And the next thing I knew, my casting company was born out of that. So going back to the producing, the freelance producing, was Mm -hmm. that I would think going from sort of, you know, a steady paycheck for 17 years at a company where, I mean, obviously you had to hustle, but you knew you were safe more or less to freelance producing, which I always describe as the monkey on the tree going from branch to branch, hoping that there's one to hold on to, you know, where the next job's going to show up. Was that a hard 
transition in terms of the lack of stability or were you getting steady work and everything was great? To be perfectly honest, the industry is never stable. I worked at a company. We were an independent production company. We produced, created, produced everything. We produced everything that we created. If we didn't create anything, we didn't have anything to produce. <laughs> right, right. And it was it was really out of loyalty and commitment and drive and and just sheer fun of the game that he and I stayed together for so long. Because there were times when it was a lull, but when we hit it, we hit it big. We hit it hard. We hit extreme makeover at the same time. We had a couple shows that we had done for NBC. Um, I created Next during that time, which was for MTV. And you said in your bio that you created, so Next was basically, a, it's a hit. It was a hit, right? It was I mean, a you hit called for it. MTV. So, right, would you, and you said it was born out of your own dating life. So yes. I was curious about that. <laughs> I was, I've, I've, I felt like I was internally single forever. I met my <laughs> husband when I was 42. I probably had maybe a series of three or four committed relationships that probably only last one lasts for six years and everything else lasts for like a month. So I did a lot of internet dating and I not, you know, tatting my own horn, but I think I'm a good first date. So I go on these dates and I have a great time, but (laughs) I could have a great time if it was just me on those dates. You know, I walk in and I see somebody, I'm like, Oh, if he was only hotter or, Oh, if he was only smarter or, oh, if he just ate with manners or, you know, it's just <laughs> right. so anything. And I, and and that's how it came out. I was like, oh, my God, what if I could replace someone immediately with someone else and finish this date? And, that's how, and that's how it came wow, out. Wow. That's so cool. I love that. I never heard that story. That's great. <laughs> I love it. So, OK, so then when you started Pittman Casting, um, I mean, then you became essentially your own boss. Mm. How was that, and how did you build the company? What was your philosophy as you decided to embark on it? It was a very reluctant transition. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As I said— Sometimes the best ones. Yeah, you know, and I had worked really hard to build a name for myself. I had arrived at a place where I was creating content, and an executive producer, and production companies knew me, and some networks knew me. So when I left Lighthearted— I really felt I need to prove not only to Howard, <laughs> but to myself that I can continue this on this platform that I was on. So luckily, I had some great friends who hired me as freelance producer. And uh, even Howard hired me <laughs> as a freelance producer, as like a supervising producer. Right. I, those were the jobs I had, um, supervising and consulting at that point. But when the economy crashed and I couldn't find work and no one I knew could find work, I started getting calls from, you know, small friends of mine who started their own companies right. and said, Jackie, can you help us? We know you know how to cast. Well, we'll give you a piece of it if you can cast it for me. I'm like, no, just pay me. Right. We're I need immediate work. Exactly. Right. And um, so as things started to pick up slowly, yeah, they started to hire me on their shows and refer me. <laughs> for their shows. So then at this point, I mean, prior to, I did Big Brother 2 as a casting director. And I was also a producer. I left Lighthearted for a really short period of time and worked on this big show. So... What was the show? Big Brother. Oh, oh, got it. Yeah, and it was two, season two. Wow. So it was the, it, it was touted as the, 
you know, the show that actually revived the season that revived the entire series, which because the first series didn't do too well, the first first season. season. So um, we had an amazing cast. And I always had that as a positive on my resume. It was like one of the first casts that Les Moonves didn't change. He actually changed one person and put that person on Survivor. So it was like it was it was it was intense. Can I ask you a question about Big Brother? And I I don't I can't say I'm a watcher. I've seen it. Um, When you're a producer on that show, are you and this could be just the dumbest question ever, but are you sitting in a control room with other producers? Like, how do you actually produce Big Brother? Well, I wasn't a producer. I was a casting. Oh, sorry. I thought you were a producer. But I did watch from a control room because it's like you love to see the train wreck and you're watching 24 hours. And there's a huge, there's a huge control room you can sit and watch. Yeah. So that's it. You're basically, it's not like a normal sort of reality show where you're out in the field and you're talking to them. No, no, no. It's not a normal. It's all just like watching, 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 watching. watching. And when you're casting that, I mean, I'm probably stating the obvious, but I imagine you are just looking for train wrecks because you're looking for people that are going to be combustible and rub other people the wrong way. I haven't cast Big Brother for years, but the season that they brought me in, they brought me in solely because I was a reality dating show casting yeah. person who had relationships. Season one, there was no hookups. There was nothing crazy. Right. They wanted they wanted romance. They wanted drama. So, And they knew reality had really just begun at that point, but they knew I knew how to cast the makings of a reality show. Yeah. And so that's how I got the job. And that season, oh, my God, it was crazy. It was a crazy <laughs> season. It was Dr. Will and Jill Down and all the crazies from that season whom I'm still friends with. Are you? Yeah. I was going to ask you that. So you do remain friends with people that you've cast. I do. And, I do. And, like, do you have to keep them at an arm's length, though? Because probably a lot of them are not, like, the most maybe stable people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think producers are the most stable okay, people. Okay, good point. Good point. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I'm you a You feel pretty... totally because they have your cell Absolutely. phone. Absolutely. Everybody has my cell phone. <laughs> everybody in L.A., New York, Chicago, everybody can find my cell phone. From okay. I get texts or phone calls all hours of the night. I love it. Uh, from new people and old. Wow. <laughs> um, so when I, when I say it was relu- reluctant transition because I always looked at myself as a producer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people don't look at casting as like this high level position, you know, as an executive producer, which I had already been. Right. Why would I all of a sudden go from executive yeah, producer to casting director? So I was reluctant. However, I did have a myriad of producers who were friends who always wanted me, saw me as a producer. And so they would bring me on to come and produce a project for them. And there was this one time I was supervising producer of a sketch comedy show for Fox. And I'm sitting at my desk and I had left my company and I'm sitting at my desk and my I had uh, four shows casting at my company. And I'm sitting at the desk at Fox as supervising producer of the sketch comedy show. Oh and I had employees coming to me for me to sign <laughs> payroll checks and they're run, off and running and they're casting the show. And I'm sitting there saying to myself, huh? My company is running without me. Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. It's a company. Yeah. And and then I realized I needed to make a decision. Yeah. Um, I could no longer jump out of my company and work physically at other companies <laughs> 
because that my company would never grow. Right. And I felt. Right. You are your company. I am my company. But my employees at the time have been people who were working with me for three or four years. Right, you trusted them. I needed to become more committed to them as yeah. they were to me. Mm. So the next series of phone calls I got to be a producer, I passed. And I said, no, I own a company and I need to stay at my company in order for it to grow. And f- once I made that decision, Pittman Casting took off. Wow. And the next thing I know, we were doing everything and anything for everybody. And people were, you know, asking for us. So Incredible. Was that mostly word of mouth that you did a good job for someone else and then they talked to someone else about you? Or is it all of the relationships that you had made in the 20 years you had been working before? It was 100 percent both. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, yeah. And, and it was amazing, you know, and at some, you know, and look. We're not perfect. There are times when, you know, everything is not castable. And there were moments when reality was taking crazy t- twists and turns and bends where they're like, let's create this kind of show. And I'm like, oh, God, how do I cast that? And, you know, but I at least only, I may have less than five situations on my hands, maybe out of 500 shows that I've cast. That's an incredible percentage. Where I was not happy with with what we had. But that's interesting. Okay, so two questions about that. One is, do you see it coming so that when somebody asks you that, do you, you know, proactively say, eh, I'm going to not be set up to fail on this one because I know that's not castable. And then two is what shows aren't castable? Is castable a word? Yeah, well, it is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, that's that's a good question. And it's something I wrestle with every day mm-hmm. to, to today. Yeah. Um, I get called for projects. Some are for people I love and adore. Some are from companies that I'd love to work for or networks that I've yet to work with. And there's only been like two or three of those. <laughs> um, and and I and. More than it not being castable, sometimes what makes a show uncastable is the time frame and the budget. Mm. So it's like if they don't want to spend the money for us to and they don't have the time for us to really find the crazy cast that they're looking for, it ties my hands. Yeah. And sometimes it also depends on, you know, how many shows I have going right now and I still have my staff has to eat. So... I wrestle with that. The type of shows that I find, I don't know if they're... Very, 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 very hard to cast. The shows that are very hard to cast are the shows where a producer has an idea in their head (laughs) of the story that they want these people to tell. And as opposed to bringing the best characters to the table and sussing out what their story is... When a production company comes with a story that they want us, yeah. they want these people to tell, then I'm finding people like their color forms to just put in that role. <laughs> color forms. I know I like that, that tells you how old I am. That's great. But, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you. Interesting. Yeah, so those are the ones that make it really difficult. Right. I think I had on Durana Fear. Ah. I'm sure you know. Is he <laughs> like one of your big competitors? I, you know what? I don't view people like that. Right. It's like He's just we're another. all in there. There's, there's, there's so much of this pie. Yeah. A lot of people can have it. Okay. I, he's, I think, I think I've met Drawn once. Oh, that's funny. But we've talked on the phone a myriad of times. Right. And he's I very think interesting. We're, all, we're, I think we're all, you know, in it together. Yeah, I like that. 
So I asked him, you know, or I don't know if I asked him or if he talked about it, but, you know, one of the things that he sort of did to distinguish himself early on was sort of him and his employees were sort of the boots on the ground people that Mm -hmm. would go to malls, would go all over to just sort of like almost reverse engineer the casting process. So I'm wondering actually the opposite question, which is, you know, if you're given a show to cast in, you know, Mobile, Alabama, um, what do you do? Like, well, literally, what do you do when you get that call? Do you have people in the South that you use? Do you employ your people here and go to the go to Mobile? Like, how does that work? Well, it's funny because cast people who are in casting now don't have the training I did. Hmm. When I started in casting and when people like Robin Cass, who I trained, um, she was on one of my dating shows and she... And she's another big casting she's person. She's amazing. Yeah. And she called me up and she said, I want to do what you do. And I said, okay, next show I do, I'll hire you. And and we're like, she was one of my bridesmaids, so we're like oh, besties. Wow. And she does Big Brother. I took her in season two and she's been doing it ever since. Wow. So she and I are one of few that have the boots on the ground, true boots on the ground yeah. training when there were no computers, right. no internet. Back in the day. No cell phones. <laughs> wow. None of that. It was like we yellow had pages. pages. Right? We had pagers and we had our bodies. Yeah. And we were out all day and all night. I started casting originally in 1989 on Love Connection. And I was there for three years. And then I became head of casting and then I went to do studs at Fox. But Do you like the reboot, by the way? Love Connection? I haven't watched it yet because I've been in Italy for yeah, the past right. two months. Oh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> but but, um, but the that training is unlike any. Yeah. And it's hard to find among casting people today because they come in, they're like, mm-hmm. well, I don't like to recruit. And then I'm like, well, how do you cast? Yeah. Google. Because if you've never recruited, you can find, look, trust me, that computer is very resourceful. Yeah. The negative with it also is every casting person in town is tapping into that right. same core group of people. Right. So the people that are coming on the computers are the people who have applied for every show in town. <laughs> right. You know, may sometimes have been on every show in town. Yeah, right. And but don't get me wrong, it's very resourceful yeah. and it gets you in. You just have to know how to navigate your way through. Yeah. So to answer your question, production companies got to the point where they no longer wanted to spend money for us to travel. Yeah. They stopped us traveling the moment Skype came around. Right. And the moment they realized, we'll accept, I, I guess I can't curse, but we'll accept, oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> we'll accept a shitty Skype right. <laughs> over spending $5,000 yeah. $5, to send you to Alabama. Yeah. If you can find people from Alabama on there and Skype them. So that's what we started doing. And we just stopped the boots on the ground because they weren't paying for it. So how would you find those same people via the internet? Everywhere. Well, Facebook's very, right. you, you know, you right. can tap into so many different people. Yeah. I'll tell you a story. It was pretty funny. I did this show. Um, it was a wedding show. And you would think it would be easy, but it was the opposite of Bridezilla. It was mom, momzillas. Oh, okay? uh, yeah. So... And the production company came to us and they said, okay, we want to find these crazy psycho moms <laughs> that have these brides getting married. The bride has to be likable. The mom has to be crazy. And they have to get married in the month of November in these two weeks. <laughs> oh, my God. Exactly. You in- say, oh, my God. 
But that's, but how many, uh, yeah. So, us, first of all, November is not a month that everybody runs to get married. Right. (laughs) So, and then I'm like, okay, then she has to be crazy, and she has to live (laughs) in Southern California. Right. So then she has to be crazy and live in Southern California and get married on these two weekends only. But why were the restrictions so crazy? Because it was their production schedule, and that's the only time they had, they, they could shoot. You know, at the time and the but the the way they figured it and they had to deliver so they, they wanted to take it to um Nappy or wherever right. they wanted to go. Right. So I'm just like, Okay, we'll do this. And my team and I are looking at and and this is when my um business had really just started it was it was really we my whole office was in a in a room twice the size of this. We did our interviews. I had two employees. <laughs> we did our interviews in this room. Yeah. Two employees talked, yeah. booked, everything. Yeah. For the record, we're in a small room. <laughs> <laughs> Turnkey. Yeah. It was in it. And so I'm like, okay, we can do this. We started going to, so this goes to show you how resourceful you have to be. <laughs> we started going to one of the major department stores registries. Um, and we tap into the registry. Now you needed a person's name. Uh, you could put at the time you could put two initials. Okay. And um, the dates that their wedding day was planned. Right. So we then put in wedding dates, put in like a first name, a last name to see who came up in the cities that we were looking in California. We would take those names, plug them into Facebook, find them on Facebook, Wow! send them an email and a flyer (laughs) about the show and say, we know you're getting married on such and such. Can you tell us about your family and your mom or whatever? And that's how we cast the show. And were people receptive to that? We cast it. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Because it was the hardest, the hardest part of casting it was telling us we had to find a cast that could that we're planning to get married on those right. two weekends. Okay, so you have that part down, the logistics of it, because you were able to to figure out how to make that work, which mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. But what about the crazy mom part about it? Like, then oh, and by the bring, way, do you have a crazy mom? Then we had said, you know, tell us about your mom. Is she in agreement? Does she love your partner? Is she, you know, is she making it crazy for you? Oh, my God, my mom's like Bridezilla. Perfect. <laughs> Nailed then it. Then we interviewed both and the fiance. It was a crazy show, but... Yeah, so you just have to be resourceful. There's, You just have to be resourceful. And I get shows that are very niche from Face yeah. Off, which is Mission Control's show, which Yay. we've been doing for like almost 15 seasons now. I love those guys. Yes, Face Off, which is, you know, special effects makeup artists. Right. Um, yeah, how do you we, keep finding them? Well, the, we did it starting the first season. And the first season, there were hardly any women. There were definitely no African-Americans. Diversity was very few. It was mostly a white male world and an older white male world. Mm. world. And they were very reluctant because their careers were at stake. And from the moment we started producing the show and the show took off, first season people got ready to see it and they loved it and saw actually it furthered their careers, people started going to school to learn the craft just to apply on the show. That's incredible. And the next thing you know, we have this ridiculous surge of women who just graduated from Savini and mm-hmm. Mud for special effects who apply. 
this ridiculous surge of African-Americans who didn't even know it existed, you know, and the show really transformed the makeup industry to the point where now you throw a dart and you get so many special effects makeup artists just purely from the success of Face Off. So interesting. That's actually extremely interesting. So I have, you brought up diversity, and I think that's a really interesting question because we're now in 2017. Mm. We have the first Black Bachelorette, which is kind of, to me, a joke, right? Like, seriously? Seriously? It took less time to get a Black president than a Black <laughs> Bachelorette. And guess what? The ratings are down. Um, you know, and then you brought up Momzilla's, and it made me think of Bridezilla's, and it made me think, like, that show, you know, heavily cast African-American women as the crazy bitches. And, you know, all of VH1 was kind of built on the back, all the successful shows of sort of crazy black women. Like, I'm curious as a casting person how, and this is such a loaded question and probably not answerable in one set, you know, one answer. But like, how do you see it from your point of view? And what do you aim to do in terms of how you're, you approach casting and diversity? Well, I'm a black woman. Right. <laughs> I can see that. A gorgeous black woman. Yeah. It's um, it's something I wrestle with all the time. But yeah. luckily, surprisingly, most of the networks I work with or production companies are adamant that they need diversity. Right. So we're at the point now where I would never deliver a cast right. that was not diverse unless someone said we don't need diversity because that's not our audience. And that has happened recently. I know I that. I know which network, most likely. I won't name the network. <laughs> it was a couple. Actually, it's been two. Okay. We'll so talk I off. won't name the network. We'll talk off Mike, because I know one specifically. <laughs> yeah. I which will. is so disturbing. It was so disturbing when I got that feedback, too. Yeah. But welcome to America. Yeah. Welcome yeah. to Trump's America. Right, right. Anyway, don't get me started on that. <laughs> right. So for the most part, everyone's wanting diversity. But do you have, especially as a black woman, a specific sensitivity to not, you know, sort of falling into that stereotype of the real type of women, African-American women we're used to seeing on some of those shows? I, I, I do have sensitivity. And I, it's very funny. When I started in the dating world, Love Connection, I wanted to do an interracial show. And we couldn't. Oh, my God. That's crazy. What year was that? 89. Wow. We couldn't. So then I started. We couldn't, like the network said you couldn't? or The, the network produ- said we couldn't. Wow. Then I went to studs, um, on studs. <laughs> and I wanted to do interracial, and we couldn't. And then when Howard and I, you know, started Lighthearted, the first show that we created internally was called The Big Date. It's sort of the first show. We did a little bunch of pilots prior to but the big date and i said to howard i want to turn it and i want to have people dating interracially he said do it i said okay and so i did and almost all my shows were interracial and poor mark Wahlberg, who was the host he would get hate mail from everywhere about mixing the races, black and white, black. And I enjoyed it because I was like, ooh, he's really hot. Yeah. She's really hot and yeah. they should be together. You, it's very funny that you're speaking about The Bachelor because that takes you, that takes me to why I was in Italy. Um, the Bachelor has one black female, which I think is amazing. Um, the ba- the it's Bachelorette. About, 
No, the bachelor. Yeah, the bachelorette. Right. Amazing. It's yeah. about time. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's so many. There should have been a black man. There so, should have I mean, been a black woman. It's like kind of ridiculous. But um, I recently uh, created a show that Bravo purchased and sent us to yeah. Italy to shoot. Let's just stop with that. You created a show that Bravo bought to series. That's huge. Yeah. Tov. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. Thank you. I have an amazing producing partner, Asylum Entertainment. But, yeah, they're great. Um, they Tell are. Steve to come on the podcast. He turned me down. Oh. Yeah, he says he doesn't do it. He doesn't do anything like He's that. He's such a great guy. Yeah. Um, so you brought it to You brought the idea to Asylum. Yep. They Bra- loved it. Loved you it. You packaged it together. Did you put a reel together? Did you cast it first? I, I did. I had a first look deal with Asylum okay. where they gave me casting and I gave them uh, show ideas mm-hmm. because... My company, my my casting company, we create shows. Mm-hmm. My people who work for me bring ideas, and I come up with ideas, and I've had a myriad of ideas from a thousand years ago. Yeah. This just happened to be one of those. Yeah. But um, I love when you can recycle, and it's like, <laughs> oh, that's a fresh idea now. Yeah, I had a... Um, there was a woman called Diane Valentine, and I don't know if you know who she is, but she's, she's a huge wedding planner, and... Um, interior designer and she's African-American and I gave her her first hosting job 15 years ago. So she and I were at breakfast and I was like, oh my God, you know, I love you. We need to get you back on TV and all this stuff. Fast forward, this show that I had really focused on divorcees originally because I love the show. I love the movie Under the Tuscan Sun. Yeah. But what I love most about Under the Tuscan Sun was she didn't get the guy at the end, but she found herself and she went back home anew. And I was like, there is not a show that focuses on divorcees that way. Um, and I didn't want eliminations or anything crazy like that. Um, I wanted women who didn't have great relationships in their past to take off, go to Italy, which is one of the most romantic places in the world. Um, I had been to Italy 12 years ago with my ex-husband, boyfriend at the time. Um, and if he wasn't there, I probably would have run off and got married to somebody because <laughs> it was as if I was like this goddess. That, And first of all, I didn't see anybody that looked like me. There weren't many black people right. there at all, African, right. African-Americans. And so... I was just, you know, it's like if you're a woman that has low self-esteem or just doesn't feel beautiful. (laughs) Go to Italy. Go to Italy. Yeah. Uh, And the men are gorgeous. They are. And one of the other things I I was going to say is, you know, when a woman comes out of a marriage, she's broken. Yeah. In most cases. Sometimes they've had a loveless marriage, a sexless marriage. Um, And if a woman doesn't have love and sex in her relationships, she doesn't feel like a woman. And so... There's a lot of internal repairing that needs to be done after a in or maybe you just haven't had a relationship in a really long time. So anyway, I had this concept of an idea. I go into asylum with Diane and you know, they love it. We partner on this particular idea and um stop for one second. Just- turn asylum said, let's make it African American as well. Oh, so you that wasn't even part of your pitch? Not initially. I didn't care what race they were. Right, right. But Diane is African-American. Right. And that was my question. So when you developed however developed it however many years ago, did you have Diane as your person? Diane has done this before. Okay. She, she, well, she's a love expert. Yeah. You know, she does weddings and 
relationship counseling because anybody who wants to get married has to be counseled. Her last name is Valentine, right. so it's totally love. Is she here in L.A.? She is. Yeah, oh, and she's done her. this before. She's She got married in Italy in Lake Como. Oh. She's taken friends there. They've run off. And, you know, so this has been a world that she's dabbled in, and it just seemed like an instant marriage, you know, with us and her and the asylum. So that's kind of how the show came to be. Um, but it's five African-American women. And so, okay, so they all know each other? They're all friends? No, no they're all different. Only, only two of the women knew of each other. But um, they went as a group. They all went as a group. And, like, lived in the same villa. Lived in the same, same villa. Same gorgeous Tuscan same, villa. Same, not in Tuscany, in Rome. <laughs> okay, Rome fine, Rome, Rome and Villa. Yeah. And, yeah. like, they had the gorgeous gardener and grounds person and all those <laughs> characters. It all. It's, it, Did they find love or we don't know? We have to wait and see. I would say they found love. Yes. So, okay. I know we're digging a very I can't, deep. Uh, yeah, I can't tell I wanna, too much because you know, need to watch it. I know, but let it. me ask, and you can say it. You can't yeah. answer it. But, like, they found love. And then what? Like, are they moving to Italy? Are they bringing their loves back here? What What happens I now? just returned from Italy last week, and so did they. Yeah. And there's a lot of love still going on. That's all I can tell you. Did you find love? Were you looking for love, Sarah? <laughs> I completely know. <laughs> I'm totally single. And there's some interesting romantic partners that could be mine if I lived there or could come here if I... But it's for me, the show itself was not about the men as much as it was about the healing Rebuilding, of them internally. Yeah. African-American women, and, and as much as I hate to say it because I am one, I'm an African-American woman who got married at 46 years old. Wow. So that was my first marriage yeah. and only marriage and got divorced by the time I turned 50. So I have so many girlfriends who are affluent, have cars, have right. jobs, education at the wazoo, have not been in a serious relationship in a long time. Or I have women who've been in in and out of marriage. The great thing about this show, it's really not about being African-American. It's really about the American culture when it comes to black women here. I'm obsessed with this show right now. Yeah. Everything you're saying, because again, I think it goes... It has the Bravo patine, right, of like, I'm sure it's going to be tons of Italy porn and beautiful <laughs> women with lots of money. But the message underneath it and sort of the way it's playing with, you know, sort of some of those cultural things is fascinating and different. It feels like I haven't seen it before. It's a mix of a lot of stuff. Yeah. I right. mean, but but it's not confusing. It's, you know, here are women, though they're black, they they represent all women Yeah. who may have not had great relationships, not felt really good about themselves, just looking for love for a long time. And here they go to Italy. Italian men love women. They're unabashed about it. Yes. They're yeah. so affectionate, so right. self-expressed, so they're they're passionate. Yeah. And look, they want the same things that American men want. You know, yeah. men want men are men everywhere right. you go. They go about it differently. I remember you know, because my casting company cast it as well. Yeah. I remember when we were we were meeting guys and uh, when they told their stories, if you asked them, tell me about your last relationship, they would say, oh, my love story ended three years ago. And they would they would characterize their last relationship as a love story. And this was universal. Hmm. Every guy who told us about their past relationship talked about it from the point of view of it being a love story. 
I'm that that was like getting me at hello. You yeah. know, it was like, wow, it was beautiful. It was amazing. And did you find the stereotype that they're still really connected to their moms? Because that's a big thing. Oh, family. <laughs> yeah. I went but to mothers in Italian culture, it's men and their mothers particularly. I went to Italy at Christmas for a month. And cast? No, oh, just, just to, to travel. Hang. Yeah, just to travel. And this was before we knew the show got picked up. Okay. So I went to Italy for a month with um, a couple of my friends and my niece, and so we go to Italy, and you know, we went to Rome, we went to Venice, we went to Naples, Florence, um, uh, Milan. <laughs> it was Christmas. Okay, so. Christmas here is it's we handle Christmas a little differently than there. They are so family oriented. Yeah. The whole city shuts down right. the day before Christmas, the day after Christmas, and the day after that. It's like family, 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 mom, mom, mom. Wherever they wherever they are in the world, they're going to their mom. Now, on the flip side, Mother's Day means nothing. But that's a very American holiday. It is a very it's a, American it's a holiday. holiday. It's a very American yeah. holiday. And we were there on Mother's Day and I said, you know, I'm saying to guys, oh, I'm sure you have to go to your mom on Mother's Day. And he's like, Mother's Why? Day? Mother's what are you Day? talking about? Every day is Mother's yeah. Day. You know, right, so right. That's so interesting. It's lovely. It's, so from a casting point of view, yeah. um, you know, it's interesting because you were wearing both hats. Mm. Were you, I imagine when you're sort of embarking on the beginning of the series with these women, are you nervous that you've cast the right women that you're going to get the stuff that you that you need like because usually if you're casting you sort of you cast it you're not involved in the actual production but here you were sort of taking it from soup to nuts the women we you know wow we found some amazing women and you know who were very generous with their stories their backstories and very generous with their hearts and that's you know a lot of black women have the stereotype that we're hard sometimes we're not you know, we're closed heart wise because we've been hurt so many times. So it's, you know, they were amazing to to see their transformation was really amazing. So you can see it in sort of we shot for five weeks. OK, so yeah. you really can see a difference. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. When's it going to air? Um, I don't have the air date okay, yet. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Sometime next year? Or... Uh, hoping, hoping this, this year, year, but it was, Great. I don't have the air date yet. Well, sounds amazing, and congratulations. Thank because you. it seems from your credits that, you know, while you've steadily been casting successfully for so long, it's so much harder to generate a show, mm. get it, you know, partner with a production co- company, get it to pilot, or, and then to series. That's It's no easy feat. Mm-mm. And you've been, it seems like you've been banging the, you know, down a lot of doors for a long time to make that happen. So. It's, I, I still have a good time, and right, I think right. it's fulfilling. My, my casting company is my mainstay, yeah. so everything like else, that, yeah, yeah, everything that else that comes out of that is fun for us and, and mailbox money for us. So we say, yeah. you know, right, my, right. my casting. But team it must have like, felt fulfilling too, absolutely. because it was close to your heart. Absolutely, and I love a show that you can bring from the dead and revive and actually sell. That's the best. That happened with Next also. Did it's it? the same exact thing. I yeah. had created it four years prior, hadn't pitched it at all. And the one time I pitched it out, it was bought in the room. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. So do you ever say no to companies to, you know, when they come to you with casting? I do. Yeah. yeah. And and is it mainly because just of resources and time because you're doing so much? It's it's mainly because it'll cost me money. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes, like I said, some things aren't always castable. So when that happens, 
I have to literally say, oh, they only have a budget that's going to, you know, get us five weeks. My reputation's on the line every time I say yes. Right, so, right. And so many times I've and been left holding the bag financially because <laughs> right. I want to do a good job right. and it extends beyond their budget and extends beyond the number of weeks that they committed us to. Well, and the other problem is, you know, just being on the production company side, having dealt with casting directors and companies before, is it's such a subjective process yes. that like you might think you're bringing me someone amazing yes. and I might think this is just hypothetical, yeah. but I might think they're just blah or they're stupid or whatever it is. Like I may hate them and you might like them or we together might love them and the network hates them. I mean, that might make, must make you mental. Are you just immune to it? You know, I over deliver as much as right. I can. Right. And <laughs> my, you feel my like my manager you know, hates yeah. that part about yeah. me. She's like, Jackie, you over delivered. Just yeah, don't but that's give why you're so people. successful though. I try. I, just, I, you know, I feel you pay a service and mm. I want to provide the best quality I can for you. So, you know, job. So it's 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 fine for me. If at the end of the day you love what I delivered, you get a great show and you um, refer me for another one, it's worth it. And, you know, the weight in gold. Right. But also there, it's proof in the pudding in the sense that you're casting face off for 15 seasons. You're yeah. working again and again with these companies who trust you. Maybe if you'll have, you know, disagreement over a couple of people. But for the most part, they know Jackie will deliver. Yeah. 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 I hope so. <laughs> well, obviously, obviously. I hope so. So I am going to go back to the do you sleep part because I really am always curious, especially, um, you know, how you find balance or maybe you don't and you don't care, like in terms of other parts of your life, because this is your baby in every way. Right. At the end of the day, it will rise and fall on your shoulders. And I love interviewing women. And there's been very few, sadly, who own their own companies and who are entrepreneurial and who are out there really hustling because I think that, um, you know, I think there's a sort of a unique challenge that maybe men don't have. And maybe I'm generalizing, but I'm curious what you think about that and how it relates to your life. It's so funny. When I got a divorce, my ex-husband, uh, you know, you never really know why things go awry. You can, <laughs> you can, you can figure it out. You can analyze it. You can yeah. talk about it. It is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> but there was one moment. A couple years after we got divorced that we were actually together and we were at a bar together. And this guy thought, why are you guys, are you guys dating? Are you? <laughs> and I said, no, we're not dating. It's my ex-husband. And you Next. Know, and we laughed. <laughs> and the guy, my husband goes to the bathroom because the conversation was getting heated. Yeah. Because the guy wanted to know why we were exes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So my husband goes to the bathroom, ex-husband, yeah. goes to the bathroom. He says to me, how could he let a girl like you go? And I said, you have to ask, why don't you ask him that question? Oh, so, I love it. <laughs> so when my ex-husband comes back, he sits down. The guy says, why did you let her go? Like, how, how? And my ex-husband said, she works too much. And that was the third time I had heard him say that. Mm -hmm. And when we were even speaking of getting a separation, he said to me, I want to go and do things. I want to go places and I want to do this. And you you take your work with you. You work too much. Now, at this point, I had started my company. And I was like, hmm. And I analyzed it. And the truth of the matter, I was working a lot. Um, I I was on the I was the reluctant. Oh, 
business owner at that point. Right. Because when I left, when we separated, I was a producer working on the Fox show. Oh, okay. So I was, I I told you, I had a company running and I was- You had like 10 jobs. (laughs) Yes. And I was working a lot. And I realized for me that I needed to stop living to work and work to live. So I still work a lot, obviously. I'm on the grind. Um, Earlier this year, we did 10, we- we literally cast 10 shows simultaneous at the same time. I had over 30 people working in my office. And um, and then I left for Italy for two months and left. Everything was done. Everything had been cast minus two projects, which my team handled well while I was gone. And I was able to still do remotely. Yeah. But when I got back, it was it was so relaxing and it, it freed me because... <laughs> yeah. Usually when I, I, I usually don't take vacations. And when I do, my laptop is with me right. and I'm working until three in the afternoon because of the time zone right, and right, then right. I could get in the pool. Yeah. So, yeah. But it, it freed me this experience going to Italy and seeing how they work to live Love because that. they yes. really different enjoy their lives they over do. there. They do. And every fourth person was a lawyer. So <laughs> right. I'm like, if they can do it, why can't I? Um, so I'm just finding balance. Yeah. And it's, uh, but I've always enjoyed my life having fun right. you know, while I work. But. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the thing. If It's almost like it's not work when you're loving it. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is, right. but it's like you're not in the coal mine. Yeah. Luckily. I mean, you know. Not yet. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. Sometimes so. I feel a bit of coal mine. Yeah, right. Like, get me out of here. It gets dirty. So uh, where do you think, like, what are your goals for the company? Where do you, do you, like, what do you see yourself doing in five years? Where do you see yourself taking things? I honestly have just started thinking about this. Um, I think the natural transition for me is to, to stop having partners and to produce uh, internally ourselves at Party Pit Productions is my production company. Pitman Casting is my casting company and just seriously merge the two and there's no reason at this point that you couldn't there is none do you have is sort of the dating that whole genre sort of where you want to focus your efforts in terms of if you start doing that stuff no never everything everything I, I, I create everything um I have projects with lawyers. I have projects with bounty hunters. I yeah. have projects with, you know, I come up with content and as far as dating and, and docu-series. I love yeah. it. Yeah. So it's, no, I, yeah. I love that. Okay. I always end the podcast with some stock questions. So my first is, what is your proudest accomplishment? I think you've just told me about 15 of them, but do you have one that sticks out, like, that you'll take to your grave? Oh, God. Yes. I was a foster kid. I was raised a foster kid from... <laughs> what? How many minutes into this podcast are we just... God, either I'm not doing my job well here. That's okay. I'm so glad I asked this. No, but I was a foster kid. I wow. was from 7 to 18 years old. So the fact that I'm here sitting with you today, as successful as people say I am, because I, I don't always... I don't look at it that way, but um, that's a huge accomplishment for me. You know, I'm, I didn't get to have the babies in the family, but it's a huge accomplishment. Huge. It's, do you feel comfortable talking about it if I ask you a few more questions yeah, about okay. it? So how did that, how did it happen at seven years old that you became a foster kid? My mother was an alcoholic uh, and she was schizophrenic. So she was sick and wow. she, uh, it just, it 
just wasn't the right combination to have, uh, you know, a little girl. She was married. The marriage didn't go well. She had three kids, and we were all separated. My my siblings went to her husband. She had me with someone else, and I went into foster care. So the siblings that you mentioned to me earlier, off mic, those are those are from. They're all here. So you found them we're later. All here, yeah. amazing. And did they when all I was go 18, to I moved foster out here care? To my sister. No, they live with their dad. Oh, with which their dad. I actually feel like I was the one who. Who got out. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. They had it worse in that way. Yeah, and did yeah. you jump around to various homes? I was, did. Okay. Five. Five. And then the final home, I moved in. I was 12 and uh, stayed there till I was 18. Were they all white families or no, black families? No, all black families. Were they? Okay. And actually, I they are my family. You really? know, emotionally. The, and the, the, the family that I yeah. lived with from 12 to 18. They're still, you know, I go home. I recently went home. I was... Uh, <laughs> So silly, but it was really heartwarming. I I was um, put in my high school hall of fame, and they were my family that was around. My sister flew out from here to join me, but they were my family that was there for me. You know, they raised me. So, wow, that's beautiful, amazing. I'm so glad you found them. Me too. In Madawan, New Jersey. In Madawan, New Jersey. My um, yeah, my my real mother passed away. 20 years ago. I was going to ask yeah. if you ever continued any contact with her. Oh, yeah. Okay. When I moved out here, it yeah. really was to forge a relationship with her and my sister. Oh, because she was living family. here. She came out at the same time oh, I did. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So I feel like— And I had a younger brother that came out, too, but he passed away since. Oh, wow. You've been through a lot. I can't—I feel like this is totally stating the obvious, but I've you're sort of— journey. I hate that word. But it, <laughs> it's I mean, been a journey. It has been a journey, but I feel like you could, maybe you wouldn't be here if you hadn't gone through what you went through. You know what I mean? In terms of your toughness and your resilience. I wouldn't change a thing. Not at all. Well, that's so funny because my next question is, do you have any regrets? None. <laughs> Incredible. None. I don't have any, I, I do have one regret. I always wanted to have a kid. Yeah. And I was confronted at a moment in my relationship due because um, my husband changed his mind. He didn't want to have kids. And it was like, do I in the marriage? get married before we got married? Okay. Do I get married to this person knowing he doesn't want to have kids? Or do I leave him and go have a kid? If there was ever a regret I hate to say, because I loved my husband to death, and that's why I married him, because I loved him. But at the end of the day, you know, being a mom would have been wonderful. So it's like, ugh, you know. Right. And you told me earlier you have a really nice relationship with your stepdaughter. So that's something. As a stepmom myself, I can say it's definitely not the same thing, but it's a special relationship. And I have three dogs. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. To me, that's like, you've got three kids then. I do. Yeah, I'm like, my dog is my son. So yeah. I, I'm on board with that 100%. And one is I've had for a week, and his name is Rome. Oh, perfect. <laughs> perfect. He's like a hot Italian. He is. He's an Italian Mastiff. Really? Mm-hmm. That's so cute. <laughs> So I assume since you're working all the time, you don't have actually a lot of time to watch television. But if you do, oh, you watch TV. Yes, okay, I watch good. TV. Girl after my own heart. <sighs> what are your top three favorite reality shows? And they can be old or new or, you know, ones you're still watching till this day. Reality shows. I. You know what? Okay. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, face off. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Dwight Michael. Dwight says we have to give him shout outs on every podcast. And I'm Hi, de- Dwight Michael. I'm determined to do that. <laughs> face off. I've got to watch my kids get uh, through it. As I, as I call us, it's a beautiful celebration of artistry and creativity. Right? <laughs> it is. It's so special, that show. It is. It is. Atlanta Housewives. Just yes. Just because... They're, you know, they're a guilty pleasure. Oh, it's yes. just like they're kind All of crazy. All of the housewives. They're crazy. I'm more of a scripted television Yeah. Watcher. What do you like in scripted? Scandal. Yeah. Um, Homeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, Power. Mm-hmm. I have to watch Power. I haven't seen it yet. It's good. I heard it's really it's good. It's very empire-ish, but deeper. Yeah. And it's a female, it's a black female showrunner, right? Mm-hmm. Which I love. Yes, yes. Yeah. I've heard great things about it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, being Mary Jane, because I sometimes feel I, like yeah. that's my world. <laughs> yeah. I'm just not as neurotic. Yes. Yeah, I like that shit, too. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. You got it. Yeah. You catch it. I do. Nice. I do. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is such an honor and a pleasure to have you on. I could Walking talk to Dead. You. Oh. <laughs> we got to remember Walking Dead. I personally don't do zombies, but I respect, I, it has to be a great show because everyone loves it, so. I always wanted to be a horror movie yeah. director. I really? miss my calling, yeah. Oh, never too late, right? Look at. Get Out just did like a gazillion dollars at the box office. My did life you... was a horror movie. So right. Exactly. Stay. Make the story of your, actually your story of your life. We need to talk. We need to option your rights. Oh, you should write a memoir though. I've tried. It's, it's, it's too much. I don't have time. Do it. Yeah. Maybe. Well, we'll talk. Maybe get a ghostwriter or something. Yeah. All right. I've, you have a great story. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's mm-hmm. been amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. 